We've been studying the doctrine of the first century church together. Uh, when uh, Brother Chris and I were back talking this morning, loading this up onto the computer screen, he said, what is this week, uh, week, uh, week, uh, and I was like, I don't even know. Uh, uh, so I counted it. This is our fifth week in this. Um, and uh, we've, we've worked our way through becoming a new, new Testament church, not a new normal church like society wants us. We want to get back to being like the first century church. Would help if I turn it on when it keep pointing it at it and nothing happens. Uh, the first week we studied the foundations of the first century church. We looked at the basic foundations that Christ set down for a church. And then we looked at the measure of the first century church. We saw that the first century church was, their measure was to be like Christ um, in everything that they did. And the third week, we looked at the power of the first century church, doing the work of the Holy Spirit, not so much as a congregation together during services, but on an everyday basis in our individual lives. And then last week, we looked at the Bible being the authority of the first century church, how basic doctrine, getting it directly from the Bible, is what we're called to do. Uh, it's not our work to build the church. It's not our job. Our work is to obey the Lord, and the Lord will give the increase. Our work is work entirely of obedience. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ did not say, I will build your church. Christ did not say, you will build my church. Christ said, I will build my church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 42, it says, Then they that gladly received his word, this is the first church, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. How would we handle 3,000 new members in a week? We'd be baptizing a while. They were, they were saved. They were baptized and they joined the church. Look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Apostles. Apostles were men chosen of the Lord. They were people that were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ and they received their message directly from God. They said, they said, uh, God said, I want you to go for me. We're, I'm choosing you to go. Are you telling me that we can, that it is possible after all these centuries, after all of history, after all the time has passed, that we can still have the same doctrine, the same teaching as that first century church? Yes, we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. So today I want to talk about the doctrine of the first century church. Doctrine means teaching. What was it they, they were instructing their people? I want to talk about the doctrine of the first century church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtst to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of and ground of the truth. God tells us that we have a mighty responsibility 
We're the pillar and ground of the truth. The only thing that you can pass from one generation to the next, to the next, the only thing that you can pass on is truth. Not experience, it's truth. That's the only thing that you can pass down. Continuing in 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my teaching, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Doctrine means our teaching. Christ left the church two things. He left the church doctrine, biblical teaching, and he left ordinances, things Christ told us he wants us to do. Paul let us know that he had spent enough time teaching Timothy so that Timothy fully understood his teaching, that Timothy fully knew his doctrine. He'd already told Timothy he must find faithful men to, and commit to those faithful men who had already been committed to him. Then those faithful men would teach others the doctrine as well. I hope you understand that there have been people through the centuries who have attentively guarded the truth of God's word, that have stood strong for the doctrine. Some paid for it with their own blood. One of the books we have in the library here is Fox's Book of Martyrs. And I know pastors mentioned it already a couple times. This book is full of first century church Christians, second, third, fourth century Christians who gave sometimes their lives to protect the doctrine of God so that we could have Paul's doctrine. So we could have the doctrine passed down from Christ. We've covered this verse quite frequently. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We get our doctrine directly from the word of God. It's not man-made. This is directly from God. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. That was written for Florida. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, stories. You go to any church down the road. You go to multiple churches in this area, Bonita, Naples, Fort Myers, Cape Coral. You go to any of the churches, you're going to get both what you see in verse 3 and 4, heaping to themselves teachers, having itching ears, turning away from the truth to tell stories. Many have de-emphasized doctrine. Oh, love and fellowship is much more important. We got to make sure we have the right coffee, the right donuts. Fellowship is great. Fellowship is wonderful, but doctrine is first. Anything that we attempt to build on truth 
Anything we try to do is not a God. It has to be doctrine. We, we need to make much of doctrine. That should be our priority, keeping doctrine true. So I've got just a couple things I want to cover this morning. First of all, Christ gave us a body of doctrine. It came from Christ. Christ is the one who gave us the doctrine. Our doctrine came from God. I, I spent a lot of time looking at these verses in John chapter 7, and I came across this phrase. It says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. What was Jesus saying? The doctrine isn't for me? No, what Jesus was saying is Jesus said, I didn't make this up. This is not something that I just came up with. I, I didn't just invent this uh, teaching. I didn't, I didn't plan to come here and just writing a book for something new for you to study. This teaching, this doctrine from Christ, this truth, Jesus says, is directly from God. It's not just something I made up. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. The apostle was a very unique office in the first century church. They were people that were sent by Christ himself to do Christ's work. The office of the apostle no longer exists today. It's not needed. But the work, meaning being a sent one, still exists. And the Lord gave the doctrine to his disciples who became the apostles. They gave, he gave his doctrine to the disciples. They taught it to others who taught it to others who taught it to others who taught it to others. And eventually that doctrine came to us. It's the same. John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. I love this verse. But I think the amazing thing that's often overlooked in this verse is that we can know the doctrine of God. It says we can know it. He shall know of the doctrine. We can know his doctrine. If we're obedient to God, God will teach us the truth of his word. If any man do his will, it says, if you obey Christ, if you do what he wants you to do, he'll let you know his doctrine. Are you doing his will? Some of us can't know what God wants us to know because at some point of our lives, we've stopped short of obedience to Christ. Then we're starting to be confused. I don't know if that's doctrine or not. I don't know if that's good doctrine. I don't know if that's sound doctrine because we haven't been obedient. The less obedient we are to Christ, the more the itching ears take place. The more the storytelling sounds good to me. Tolerance. Oh, the Bible, Jesus taught us to be tolerant. And because we got to do that for us. No, he didn't. It's not in here at all. But it sounds good. But if you're obedient to God, doctrine will become clear. He'll let you know the doctrine. Christ gave us the body of doctrine. He put it in the hearts and the hands of his disciples, his apostles, those that loved him, those that followed him. His disciples gave it to others who gave it to others. And finally, winding through the centuries, someone gave it to us. And now it's ours. It's our responsibility. 
2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and I can't go on with doctrine without this verse. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. If you have this verse open in your Bible, please underline, circle, highlight, star the words the same. Because it's vital that we do not change the doctrine. We must not teach a different doctrine. We should not teach a similar doctrine. We must not teach a more culturally acceptable doctrine. We must give it to others just the way that Christ gave it to his disciples and they gave it to us. I have a uh, cedar chest in my closet. It's here with us now. I have it in the closet here. It's, it's a special, I don't open it very often. And it's my keepsake cedar chest. I have a lot of important historical stuff in there that I have. Um, my, my dad, years ago when he was a kid, got a, a Master Angler Award that uh, he was throwing out. No way, I put that in my cedar chest. Um, behind my cedar chest, because they won't fit, I have my great-grandfather's cane. Um, I've got a genealogy list in there. Uh, I know you probably already knew this about me, but I'm a direct descendant of the um, royalty of England. I really am. Um, uh, I am a, 24 generations ago, uh, my grandfather was King John of England. Um, and there's a couple more kings in there that are direct. I'm a direct descendant from. Um, King John, it's nothing to brag about. Uh, the story Robin Hood, the bad king was King John. That's my guy. That's, uh, that was grandpa. Uh, uh, there's things in there that when I die, I'm going to pass down to my kids. And I'm not going to go there and I'm crossing out King John's name because he did bad things. I want my kids to get it exactly as it looks. I want them to know the truth. Scripture doctrine is the same thing. Christ gave us the doctrine. He gave it to the apostles who gave it to the first century church. They gave it to others who gave it to others. And finally, winding down through the centuries, someone gave it to us. It's now in our hands, and we can't change it. We must not change it. It needs to be the same. Second thing about doctrine. There are corrupting influences always at work. Satan seeks to corrupt doctrine. By adding to it, Satan attempts to corrupt doctrine by presenting only parts of it. Remember what he said to Eve in the garden? Uh, uh, you won't surely die. He didn't tell her the whole story. 17 times in the New Testament, the word leaven is used. Now, this morning, I got out my bulletin and I was scanning through it. And I looked down at the evening service, Pastor Bill Itell, Matthew 16, verse 11 through 12. He's going to speak on what is leaven. I did not know he was going to do that. 
Uh, so I'm going to speak on what is leaven. But I have an excuse because I want to take you back in time a long way to June 4th, 2023. Not that far. Yeah, it's a long way. I mean, where were you? That's the question. Um, maybe you were in Sunday school because we were doing this. You remember this? Tiny stories with a huge significant. We looked at Matthew 13, verse 33, where there was one tiny parable found in one verse. It says, Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. It was in that class we discovered that a little bit of leaven affects the whole lump. Everything is affected by it. And we found out that Christ mentions three types of leaven during his ministry. So if this is pastor's outline tonight, you can just smile and nod your head like you've never heard it before. Make him feel good. Okay? First of all, the leaven of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when they were gathered, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch they trode upon one another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. Uh, hypocrisy means an actor. That's where the word came from. A hypocrite is someone acting like someone else. They were not who they appeared to be. They were actors. They were wearing masks. Today, they're wearing masks. They're disguised as preachers. They're disguised as churches. You cannot simply be moved by emotion. My uh, former pastor, Dr. Jason Godsey, said that this, this week, and I thought it was perfect. I often hear how God showed up during the singing, and there was no need for preaching. I wonder why I don't ever hear God showed up during the preaching and there was no need for singing. It's because singing hits the emotions. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which I came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. What's listed first? Doctrine. Doctrine is listed first. Matthew chapter 22. The same day came him unto him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection. The leaven of the Sadducees is doctrinal error, false doctrine. They teach things that are not true. They openly deny the truth. In Mark chapter 8, in Mark chapter 8, verse 15, Christ tells his followers not only to reject the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, but also the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod is worldliness. Herod the Great was appointed by Caesar to be king over the Jews in 37 BC. I was just a baby back then. The Herodian family dominated political life uh, through in Israel and the Holy Land. For the whole first century. And the leaven of the world is Herod, uh, the leaven of Herod is worldliness. It's seeking after power. It's, it's, it's political. Building religious coalitions, which include unbelievers. 
It's the idea that God does his work the same way the world does his work, the same way that businesses do their work. People today are employing the ways of the world in churches to attempt to do the work of God. John verse, chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. Corrupting influences are always at work. Beware of the leaven. Number three, contention sometimes arises even among brethren. It's painful, but it happens. Peter, in the book of Galatians, Peter is, is fellowshipping with the Gentile churches. Remember, God gave him the vision, said you can, you can do this with the Gentiles, go out and reach the Gentiles. And Peter is, is fellowshipping with the Gentile churches. But then, when he goes back and fellowship with the Jews, he was apprehensive to fellowship with the Gentiles. Well, I mean, I'm really not there because I'm, I'm, he's making excuses. Why he's, he's to the Jews, he's making excuses. He's, he should, God said, go. And he's, he is, but not when he's around Jewish people. And, and in Galatians chapter 2, uh, verse 11, it uh, says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. This is Paul speaking, because he was to be blamed. Paul said, I had to confront Peter face to face. I had to say, this is not according to the truth. Both men were believers. Both apostles, both leaders both highly visible, both blessed with marvelous ministries that God had gave them. Peter to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles, but they had issues. You, you might say, hey, listen, I want to I get along with everyone, but not by disregarding the truth. We must love God's approval more than we love the approval of men. There's, let me just be honest, there is no painless way to follow Christ. There's no painless way to follow Christ. His approval, his approval is all that matters. It's all. One of the biggest things we're dealing with today is not the open denial of doctrine, but many church practices that place doctrine secondary to emotion or experience, like worldly music. So Paul, why do you keep mentioning music? Because I firmly believe that the most effective way that Satan has of getting the world into churches today is through worldly music. That's why I love our music program here. We've got the barriers up. We've got the wall. The worldly music is not getting in here. We won't allow it to. We must not let that take place in our church. And we need to let the next generation know that that is not going to be allowed here. Doctrine is our biblical heritage, not a contemporary experiment. I, you, there's not many things I say that are quotable, but I think that is. Doctrine is our biblical heritage, is not a contemporary experiment. The first century church paid a great price to be true to God. We need to be willing to pay a price to be obedient to God in this matter. That even means if we're not popular. That even means if our congregation dwindles to three or four people.
people. We got to stay true to God's word. Number four, contending for doctrinal truth must be done in every generation. In every generation. My generation, your generation, really, really old people like pastor's generation. The kids' generation that will be in these seats in 30 minutes from now have to contend for truth, doctrinal truth. Hebrews chapter 5, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. I love this part. Seeing you are dull of hearing, <laughs> clean out your ears. The author of Hebrews says, for when, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need to need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. The author here is telling them that these Christians have been saved long enough and discipled long enough that they should have been teaching basic doctrine to others to pass it on. Instead, he says they're like babies. Having to be taught the basics again, the first principles. I when I when I teach my fifth grade class, I backward plan. And if you don't know what backward plan is, it means you go to the end, which would be the assessment, the test, and you scan the test to see exactly what and how each standard is tested. And as I was doing that a couple weeks ago, I came across a word that I knew. I, I'm not an expert on many things, but I know how 10 and 11-year-old boys and girls think and say and think. And I came across a world, word that I knew that maybe one in a hundred may know, and it was on the test. And the word was anecdote. So I started preparing them four weeks before this test. And I wouldn't say, okay, you need to know this word. I would start using that word. I would say, hey, listen, I got an anecdote to tell you about my life. And I have just one or two of those. My horrible, terrible, long life. And I would say that an anecdote, remember, is, is a little part of my life, a little part of my story I'm going to tell you. And I would tell them. And for weeks and weeks, I would use that word, anecdote, whenever I got a chance to. And we got to the test. And we're taking the test. And there's always one or two kids that go, I don't know what this word is. And I'm like, listen, I've been teaching. I've been using that word. I've been teaching you that word for the last four weeks. What's going on? Obviously. Some people do not think about their kids and their grandkids the way they should when it comes to the things of God. To them, church is no more than a place to go have fun, to socialize, like some of my kids do at school. They're not there to learn. They're to socialize and have fun. That's not church. What happened to the sacred? Where's the reverence? Whatever happened to sin? Today we uh, we take problems and we call them addictions or or a disease. That's not my fault. What happened to lust? Who needs a savior? The truth is that the first century church did not make fun as their goal. They weren't there to entertain. They were there to teach doctrine. At Gospel Baptist, we like to have fun. But well, we've made sure that truth is our goal. If we're to have the first, if, if we're to have a church like the first century church, we must first have first century doctrine. 
It must be contended for in every generation. In the book of Jude, verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. That's not a sit back and watch thing. Earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. That's all it was needed because it was the truth and it was passed down. It tells us to earnestly contend for the faith. In other words, if we do not contend for the faith, there will not be a common salvation to even talk about. 47 churches close across the United States every week. I checked this number 10 years ago. Four out of 10 children, four out of 10 ever went to church. I looked again last night online. It's three out of 10 now. That's church as in church, synagogue, mosque. Three out of 10 children ever go. Nothing is worse than a generation with no faith. No faith in the true, no faith in the living God, no doctrine. The church is not about being some sort of nice, safe, social club where the members show up every Sunday to have fun. The New Testament church is about a thundering forth the Word of God place in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's giving people a fixed point of reference to see the truth of God through the Holy Scriptures. Do not drift from this. Share this so that future generations can share and those generations can share. We have a responsibility to stick to the doctrine of the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us the doctrine. We are thankful for the people through many, many generations, most who we don't even know their names, who have stood true to the doctrine of your word and passed it down from generations to generations so we can have the truth. We pray, Father, you'll help, it, help us not to let it slip through our fingers, but pass it on faithfully to the next generation who can teach others also. In your name we pray, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.